nights when the moon is high. The shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is deadly. So now is the time to let the horror you know again. Hi guys, welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Trent. I'm Ian. What? And Ian is drunk. Why are you wearing sunglasses? It's midnight. He wears his sunglasses at night. Go for like a, go for like a Howard Stern thing. Maybe. I'm yeah. Ian. And we're going to blow your mind with this episode. A little foreshadowing there. Punny. We're talking about the Norwegian black metal group Mayhem and the movie Lords of Chaos. Oh my god, I wasn't (laughs) mentally prepared for that. All right, here we go. You guys know much about black Norwegian metal guys? Why do you keep putting so much emphasis on the I do now that I watched Lords of Chaos. It was my first introduction to it. I uh, did you grow up listening to metal, Ian Wells? I grew up avoiding listening to metal. Okay, what would you listen to? Let me guess. Uh, you know, country. <laughs> <laughs> mostly blame it all on his roots. <laughs> mostly hip hop and uh, R and B, and then I met this man when I was like thirteen, and his dad got me hooked my on. Name is Ian. ACDC, and then I've just slowly ventured into rock since then. And I What's your favorite it. ACDC album? Album? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't name albums, songs. Back in Black. Love that one. <laughs> but I think my favorite. <laughs> so <laughs> uncomfortable here on the sides. Back, back in Black? Love it. <laughs> I think my favorite ACDC song is probably uh, For Those About to Rock. Kanye, you like Good. fish sticks? <laughs> Love <laughs> You love fish sticks in your mouth. Did you uh, grow up listening to, what, ACDC? Mm-hmm. Did you grow up listening to that? It was um, it was heavy rotation. Uh, my mom was 80s, 90s country. My dad was 60s, but 70s, 80s rock. So there was some 60s, like CCR and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. So ACDC, I was a huge Kiss fan growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of the army. I mean, I yeah. never served, but uh, I was a lieutenant in the army. Right, um, Kiss Army. We so were rock soldiers. Kiss. Uh, my dad actually gave me all of his. Um... <laughs> I just gave you a Kiss reference. Ace Fraley, rock soldiers. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, I'm still stuck in the New York groove. <laughs> Back. Back in the. So, so, uh, so yeah, I have all my dad's like old albums. And then, oh my god, he's been looking for those. Give them back to him. Yeah, no, they're mine now. Um, so we're talking, obviously, like I said, ACDC, Kiss, Def Leppard, um, Van Halen, Aerosmith, you name it. Any, anything 60s, sorry, 70s, 80s rock. Um, if we're going favorite ACDC album, hands down, that's a very easy answer for me. It's Highway to Hell, front to back. So no you're, skips. What, no do, skips. What, do you, what do you, uh, what's your favorite, is that your favorite album of all time? or is that my, just favorite al- my favorite album of all time would in my top five i would put highway to hell in my top five okay Easily. his dad literally sat me down one day and he, ooh, sit me, down Ooh, seriously down, he sat me down and made me watch like an acdc documentary and i was hooked ever since is that yes. the one where they're in the porsche like driving in the snow at the beginning there's uh 
I don't remember. I don't really one. remember either. I just remember sitting there on that house in that house on Mulberry Street and watching it. Well, there was one like it was the live concert from like um, ninety four or whatever it was. It was the who live. made who? No, that was later. Who made who was earlier? Right? Yeah, that was because that was the maximum overdrive yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, so that was like eighty eight somewhere in yeah. the park of that. Um, it, I want to say like ninety four because they they made that live album that double live album. Yeah. So I think it was around that. I think it was around that time there. But yeah, I I could I could listen to this day Highway to Hell, uh, the whole album. Like three days in a row, I did this. I actually have it on on um I have it on vinyl. I have it on CD. I've actually done this. Like listen to it in the car. I can't see your eyes, so I don't know what you're doing over there. That's the point. So so yeah, I have a, I have a few like albums like that but when you mention acdc to him i just felt so, it was important for me to just off the top of your head no particular order five bands that you've got to listen to for the rest of your life go five bands uh so acdc's obviously got me in my def leopard is in my top five um you know i would actually throw aerosmith in there i like aerosmith uh what did i say def leopard acdc i'm gonna say kiss because okay. I was a huge Kiss fan growing up. My fifth, uh, man, that's tough. It's a toss-up. I, I want to throw the first few Motley Crue albums in mm-hmm. there. Like when they were... I feel like they transitioned from kind of like an early metal scene to like hair metal to glam. just straight-up glam. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm going to throw like the first like two albums, like Shout Out the Devil and shit like that in there. Okay. You Five. really didn't mention... Anything you just said, hip hop and rap. So I think I can name five bands that I, like the, rock bands that I'd have to listen to. Doesn't have to be rock. It could be um, hip hop, rap, whatever. Well, I was go. already focused on rock, so I'm gonna start we'll there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, man, okay, so, you could say Garth Brooks if you want to. Oh yeah. no. So I, I want to say ACDC as well, and then I want to say Hailstorm. Uh, okay. Is it weird for you? No, Hailstorm? I mean I love Hailstorm so yeah. much. They're not bad. Um, that's weird that you would say that, but yeah, go ahead. I know. Muse, I love them. You're blowing my mind, man. Right. <laughs> you thought you knew Ian. Oh, I thought I knew Ian. I, I, hold on, I don't mean to interrupt you. You have to remember he got started really late. Yeah, yeah. So he's mm-hmm. more. Contemporary. I'm talking mid to like mid early to mid 2000s. Like. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I'm gonna say Three Days Grace. I like a lot of classic bands too, but I don't I don't know who I would throw in there. Maybe maybe Aerosmith. Did you play the old like um early two thousands wrestling games? No. Alright, well we played a lot of that growing up. A lot of our friends did. So like Three Days Grace was heavily in rotation on that. Um so I think that's kinda of where Three Days Grace can't. Three ways John Gacy comes through. Three days gay. <laughs> so I, I that is where I, I see, I, I see where where your influences come from. Yeah, I feel like I'm his interpreter. I have to explain why <laughs> he's the way he is. Top top hip hop or rap artist go right now. Ooh. Uh, well, Tech Nine number one. Three, for sure. three, top, top three. three. Yeah, I'll give you three. Because <sighs> you only named four rock, so we'll give you three of these. Okay. Tech Nine. nine. Hmm, who got you started on that? You did. You damn right it's I did. For you. Uh 
I'm gonna throw it. You guys probably don't know him, but I'm gonna throw in Master P because there oh, was. I know Master P. P. Really? Yeah. He made you say, "Oh, once, didn't he?" Yeah. Like na 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 na. My whole teenage years, that man was responsible for the soundtrack to my life. And then I got. I know more old rap than I know yeah. this newer rap stuff. Uh, like, yeah, so. definitely agreed on that. Then I'm gonna throw N.W.A. in there as a group. Not individually. Nah, it's, it's, it's not the W people. or the A. I got them in there as a group because I don't have enough space on my list to throw them in there individually. So, Trent, <laughs> why are we wheezing? I, I forgot you were here. No, my segment will be very quick because anyone who knows me knows I can't list things. You can't put me on the spot and have me rank stuff. I, I don't. Have I, I can tell you your list, list right things. now. Tom Petty, top five. Well, yeah, he's on there, uh, but I mean. <laughs> He's undisputed one, number one, but like Def Leppard, Def Leppard right now. Def Leppard. I said you don't have to rank player. them in order. Just give me five artists know. you like. I Just five that you like. I can't. You can't put me on the spot. Get, man. You can't tell it. me five artists that you like. They don't even have to be top five. Is it sad? Five that Darren, artists. Darren and I could tell you your top five. We're trying to give the audience some some like stuff about us every now and then, so they get to know us. This is about the podcast. Now the only thing they know about the you hell? is you can't make a fucking decision to yeah. save your own life. That's he looks the like first thing you'll learn this, about me. This if Nancy you boy has me. a wife that makes every decision for him. He looks What's like he enjoys thing? some Let me, let me call Jensen and find out what you like. She's been we can wake, wake her up in a stupor and she'd be like, what? Oh, uh, Def Leppard, Tom Petty. She's just fucking rattle him off. I mean, yeah, I like all the same old rock bands i grew up you like that old time rock and roll too bob, bob seger Se- bob seger we named three right there i don't know that he's necessarily my top five oh but God. i will say he's one of the most like underrated i feel like Definitely. rock and roll artists of all times what's wrong with you? underrated though underrated I, I don't know man i don't he feel like a lot he's, of props so bad. and he's been in a lot of movie soundtracks yeah. But I just don't feel like he's ever mentioned in the same breath with some of those other no. ones that we talk about. And you think about all the songs that he has on the radio. Yeah, but I don't know. Meatloaf. I think Meatloaf's one of yours. You like Meat a Loaf. lot. I think uh, Meatloaf is definitely in the top ten. Now, I listened to a lot of him. Now, it's funny, you, you said Bob Tom Seger. Tom Petty and I'm, I'm going to bridge the and gap Bob Seger. between Bob Seger is and Is Bob Seger dead? No. no, Bob Seger's oh. very much alive. <laughs> I just said he's dead. He's Bob, old. if you're listening... We're sorry. He's getting old. That old time. <laughs> I feel bad for the fact that when I was naming my bands, I forgot to mention Motorhead. So I just wanted Man. to throw that out there. Okay, that's a solid one. He's a lot. He's he's a little older and a lot less bolder than he used to be. I do know <laughs> yeah. that for a fact. Oh my god. Sorry. I don't know. These what? are all good options. I'm not going to rank. Or I'm not going to list five. But yes, these are all. I'm in that same wheelhouse with you all. And I do like metal which I think was what spawned this original question, right? I don't think I would call myself a metalhead. I don't like speed metal or, like, death metal, which we were talking about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Well, you are talking, like, like early, like, Metallica. I like that kind of stuff. I like the... See, I've always liked Metallica, and I didn't didn't realize that Metallica was actually considered metal. I just thought it was, like, hard rock or something. Actually, I feel like I definitely should have thrown Dio in my top five. I listen to a lot of Dio to this day. Like metal and hard rock are pretty. I tell you what, Dio is a very, I would say not underrated, but he's one of those guys like you were talking about, Bob Seger. I mean, he's been in Black Sabbath. He was in Rainbow. He was with his own career with like multiple really good albums. The dude was like five foot two and had a voice like an angel. Dark. I mean, yeah, he's awesome. I love Dio. Ronnie James. 
I like the mystical kind of metal, like that Dio sings about, like yeah. dragons and wildebeests and all that. Yeah, kind of I stuff. figured you would mention Tenacious D, Tenacious even though D, they're yeah, they are a band, but they're not the a mysticals band. Mysticals also, right? they are a band. They, they are, are a but conventional band, but yeah. they're the greatest band in the world. So yeah, they automatically make the list. Yeah, who? Did you say it was they made the greatest D. rock song <laughs> ever. Pick of Destiny. It's just a tribute to it. Yeah, so... Now, when they check the mic, they fucking check the mic, right? <laughs> <laughs> they fucking check a check a one, two, three. That's right. Well, I, I think all those are great. So, that's what we're talking about this week. Metal. I also love hair Music. metal. Music. We can't forget about that. Can't. I love hair metal. I'm actually going to a concert coming up, and Is you guys will probably there? love... In that metal? I almost went to them. I did, too. Yeah, I was going to buy those tickets. <laughs> I was this In one. that metal, right there, Iron Maiden. Iron I thought Maiden's you were pointing metal. a material. Yeah, their metal, yeah. Who was it that I cut you off? Sorry. So I'm going to see headlining. It's Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and then opening is Poison and Joan Jett. When and where is this? This is in Cincinnati at the Great American Ballpark in June. Three. Def Leppard and Poison always tour together. They do. We went and saw them. Like I think what, a I think years Def Leppard. Poison puts on a good show. They do. I don't think they do. He's the greatest singer in the world. They put on a really good show, and Def Leppard does too. Can we all catch a rock concert together one time? Because I've never been to a rock poison concert. Poison and Def Leppard tour every do. summer. You're gonna poison a Def Leppard? Is that what? I... <laughs> who were the other two? Joan Jett and who was the? You said Motley Crue. Motley Crue. I don't know. I, I don't know if they'd be worth. Here's anymore, the thing. I've heard rumors maybe. that Motley, Motley Crue not make it. Motley Crue has a great like sound to them still, but they don't have a good singer. Yeah. And but from what I hear, they pipe in music. So. They, they pipe in his, you know, vocals. Yeah. But, you know, that. at this point, it's almost like you're just going to see the show anyway. Just you know what I'm saying? It's a spectacle. It's sad because, like... I've seen them twice already, and they were good both there are, times. There are a lot of bands that, like, still tour that I think shouldn't. And uh, I hope I don't catch a lot of shit for this. Deep Purple's one of them. I think he's definitely lost his voice. Loverboy. Kiss. Kiss. <laughs> he Paul, lost his voice Paul, five Paul years Stanley ago. Paul Stanley can still... Put on a show now. I don't know if you knew he puts this, on a show, but but they did pipe you know that Paul stuff. Stanley has another band that they released an album last year and it was all like Motown music. Really? Yeah. What? It was him. The was it Motown Philly? Back no, again? they're not back again. <laughs> they did some old like Temptations and Four Top songs and stuff. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, and it was actually, from Detroit, so it makes sense. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from all white this, Jewish guy singing Motown well, now, like on a few of the, like a lot of their songs, you can kind of notice the uh, Motown inspiration. They literally did a, on their Love Gun album, um, uh, "Then She Kissed Me," which is a cover of "Then He Kissed Me," an old Motown song. Yeah, like we're not even talking about the movie. We're well, let, about let me. So what I'm hearing guess, is we liking all these bands makes us posers. It kind of yeah. Well, I haven't said. You know, I like. Uh, Van Halen, not yeah. Van Hagar. Uh, Husker Du, not who? No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that whole monologue. No, I actually my favorite bands probably I would say it's Kiss. That was my first big band I listened to you know, on album. Uh, I had Kiss Destroyer and Kiss Alive too. I think oh, yeah, was my two one. biggest uh, albums I got. I would say. I would say uh, Metallica. That's one of my all-time favorites. I like every album they put out until 1994. 
and then they started getting mediocre. Was that like the load and reload? Yeah, yeah. all that on, on. I mean, there's there's some good songs on each album. They're just not good albums. Uh, Megadeth, one of my favorites. Pantera, my all-time favorite band. Iron Maiden. So I'm definitely a thrash metal guy. Anthrax, stuff like that. But I also listen to hair metal. Anyway, uh, I love 60s and 70s rock and, you know, pretty much anything that goes along with it. I love country. I love rap and hip-hop up to about 2005. And after that, Mm -hmm. I just quit listening to it. I understand. Um, So, yeah, I'll listen to anything, really. But I will not listen to Norwegian black metal. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like death metal, black metal, speed metal, anything that sounds like Scooby-Doo on speed. I don't like it. So... We're going to talk about it. Roll, some, roll. some of our fans are mad now, but that's all right, because we're going to tell you a cool story here. This episode is still for them. This is still for you. Okay, so here we go. We're, we're going to talk about the backstory to the movie Lords of Chaos. So there's this guy named Oyster. You know, I'm, going to, I'm just going to Oyster say it. crackers? I'm going to say it in, in the way an American would say it, and then you translate yourself. It's uh, Oyston Arseth. Is the guy's name now? In your defense, you don't sound any different than the people that I, you know, I haven't seen the whole movie. But you don't sound any different from the people in the movie. Yeah, because they were all American making this. So here's the thing: I was talking to them about this before you walk back downstairs and educate me on this. But in Norway, don't people don't don't, they don't sound like that, right? Uh, No, these people had very thick American accents. Yes, playing Norwegian people yes in the movie that i think there was me. there was a couple, couple of norwegian people and i there think was it was a, a couple Nor- people that you could tell it was a norwegian actually... company that produced it so i think it's you know i mean it's got the backing of the norwegian that uh douchebag christian but, movie i feel like he had a little bit of an accent maybe i don't know anyway this guy was born in 1968 so he was about five years older than i am he was better known by his stage name as Euronymous, and he was the founder and central figure in an early Norwegian black metal scene. He actually like bragged often about coming up with the true, how's it go, Trent? True Norwegian black metal. Yeah, true Norwegian black metal, as opposed to that pussy Swedish death metal. Or life metal. As yeah, it. life metal. They're just celebrating life, not pure death. I so, just want to drink and party. I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, yeah. what I, that sounds pretty cool. If I was wanting to be a rock band, I would want to drink and <laughs> now, party. Trent, I correct wanna... me if I'm wrong, but your girl does like to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. Yes, right? Eddie, she does. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, he was a co-founder of this, uh, co-founder and guitarist of the Norwegian black metal band Mayhem and was the only constant member from the band's formation in 1984 until his death in 1993, which we'll discuss in length. He was also a founder and owner of the extreme metal record label Death Like Silence Productions, and he owned a record shop called Helvete, which means hell in Norwegian. Hmm. All right, so that's a little background on this guy. So He was also responsible for coming up with that sound, right? On his guitar. Well, he said, I mean, he said that the guitar sound was his pure black. I mean, it was basically like a slightly faster thrash metal. So Arseth 
formed Mayhem in 1984 along with bassist Necro Butcher, whose name, real name was Jorn Stabrud. The names killed me. And drummer Kjetil Mannheim. At the time, he was going by the stage name Destructor. God. Destructor. <laughs> it sounds kind of dumb. But later changed the name to Euronymous, derived from the demon Euronymous, which inspired the Hellhammer song of the same name. In 1986, Euronymous, Necro Butcher, and John Metallion Christensen visited the German thrash metal band Assassin and recorded the Metallion in the Park demo under the name Checker Patrol. Metallion contributing backing, backing vocals to the title song Metallion in the Park. In 1988, Per Olin, you guys remember this guy? Oh, this guy's going to blow your mind. Like from, from the, like Per Futar? From, <laughs> from, from the movie that we just watched. From the total of eight minutes of movie I've seen. Was that the bigger guy with the crazy hair? Per Olin was from Sweden. His stage name was Dead. Yeah, the singer. That was yes. the, the singer. He was the oh. singer. It, it became Mayhem's vocalist. And John Axel Hellhammer Blomberg becomes. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. This, this, Do we have any Nor- Norwegian listeners? I'm going to check. Well, this real quick. is a th- this, it's drummer. Look, so we don't are, anymore. But these are thick Norwegian names. But then when they come on screen, they're like, "Oh, is that a squirrel out there?" Why are they? <laughs> they talking? didn't sound like that at all. Uh, you were watching a different movie. Oh, sorry. They, they did have a little. I bit was of watching an Deliverance. Sorry. They did have an accent, but it wasn't thick. They, they tried accent. at least. I didn't hear any. So by 1991, Dead, Euronimos, and Hellhammer were living in a house in the woods near Krokstad, which was used as a place for the band to rehearse. Mayhem bassist Necro Butcher said that after living together for a while, Dead and Euronimos got on each other's nerves a lot and weren't really friends at all in the end. Hellhammer recalls that Dead once went outside to sleep in the woods because Euronymous was playing synth music that Dead hated. Euronymous then went outside and began shooting in the air with a shotgun. Varg Vikerns claims that Dead once stabbed Euronymous with a knife. That's well. more than likely a fake story. Anyway, on the 8th of April, 1991, Dead was found deceased by Euronymous at his yeah, home with... Dead was found dead with a slit wrists and a shotgun wound to the head. His death was considered a suicide. Before calling the police, Euronymous went to a shop, bought a disposable camera with which he photographed the body after rearranging some items around the body, including the shotgun. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Okay. One of these photographs was later used as the cover of their bootleg live album called The Dawn of Black Hearts. Necro Butcher recalls how Euronymous told him of the suicide. Oystein called me up the next day and says, Dead has done something really cool. He killed himself. I thought, have you lost it, man? What do you mean cool? He says, relax, I have photos of everything. I was in shock and grief. He was just thinking how to exploit it. So I told him, okay, don't even fucking call me before you destroy those pictures. Euronymous used Dead's suicide to foster Mayhem's evil image and claimed Dead had killed himself because Black Meadow had become trendy and commercialized. In time, rumors spread that Euronymous had made a stew with bits of Dead's brain and had made necklaces with bits of his skull. 
So, do you guys remember in this movie all this stuff happening? Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would have explained that in the movie, though. I don't remember his stew, but I remember... I don't remember the stew. I do remember the bits. I assume that the necklaces were probably pieces of his skull, even though they didn't really say that it was. Yeah. So, let me me give you privy to some of the other articles I've read on this whole thing. So, I'm kind of giving you an overview, and then I've read in some different magazines and, and stories online of about these rumors okay now this young man that killed himself was from sweden he was from another country yeah from sweden (laughs) these guys were from norway and they were kind of i wouldn't say rich but they were more well to do and norway is one of the richest countries in the world right i mean it's their standard of living and everything is pretty high but they do have this christian kind of uh kind of this Christian-y kind of feel to their country, right? A lot of churches, a lot of religion there. And so these kids were a lot like... Of churches, all right. These kids were like uh, kind of rebelling against that. And I think this kid himself was looking for opportunities and ways to make himself popular. So if you see that right off, I almost think that some of these stories at the beginning were made-up stories, okay? Obviously, his friend was had some mental issues and he was depressed. He was a cutter. Talking about dead? Dead. Oh yeah. Yes. When he first shows up, the like the cuts on his arm were super deep. Exactly. So he was he had some a lot of mental issues. He was into this really uh heavy, like black metal and he in the movie they become kind of friends, but it's like an odd friendship. In reality it talks like they fought all the time. All right. But it seems like Euronymous was really into how can I use this for my benefit? You know what I'm saying? So he saw that his death, his suicide, he could use that to his benefit to gain popularity for his band. So he created this mythos around all of that. Like he probably even made up half that stuff, like using the the brains and the splattered skull and all that stuff. You know, that was something he probably made up. I can't, say that for sure but everything i've read kind of alludes to that well movie makes you kind of think that too. yeah, yeah. So i kind of thought he was a douchebag too for the fact that every time somebody did something he was trying to take credit for it yeah like, yeah i told him to do that and he did it <laughs> yeah so one thing i did notice before the movie cut off and i couldn't finish it um when dead and uh geronimo uh were <laughs> geronimo geronimo's uh when he walked in the room and Deb was laying on the mattress on the floor and you saw the cat hanging up, I thought, A, that was too much for me. Um, B, I actually looked that up. I don't know. I was like trying to, I was basically trying to compare the stories, not specifically that scene. I know you're looking at me funny. Um, apparently the cat part was a complete facade. Like there was no evidence that that was ever a thing. So I don't know why that was important for them to add the cat part in there yeah. shock factor I guess yeah. maybe I think just to show how like messed up they were too I mean they went out shooting at a cat in the next scene yeah so I mean they obviously had no problem with animal cruelty or anything like that yeah so uh, they the band later denied the uh, rumor but confirmed that the latter was true so talking that you know, they took bits of a skull to make necklaces. So they did say they made necklaces out of a skull. Um, moreover, Euronymous claimed that 
to have given these necklaces to musicians he deemed worthy, which was confirmed by several other members of the scene, Faust Yithian and Metallion. Morgan Steinmeier, Hackenschen, his name, Hackenschen, 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 of Marduk also confirmed this and that he also owns a piece of dead brain matter as well as lead from the shotgun shot. All were gifted to him by Euronymous. Now, he owns got a piece you a little of brain something. matter? Yeah. I got you a little something today. You don't have to give me anything in return, but it's I got dripping. you a little something for this? me. <laughs> Just open it. All I got to say from the get-go is how inept and how different, I guess, their penal system in Norway is compared to America because it's it's amazing that he had his fingerprints on a gun, took pictures of it, goes around with pieces of his brain matter or his skull and is bragging to everybody about it. And it's like they don't even like do anything they don't even question it see i wish they would have explained that in the movie too because it kind of took me out of because i'm like how is this dude just like hand on the shotgun and but like according to all i know but according to all all accounts he gave i mean there's at least six people that it says right here that he gave that as a gift even if he didn't he literally put that's what it was actually though but he they didn't even try to prove it that's what i'm saying it's like the cops didn't do anything about it i literally asked myself how is he getting away with tampering with the corpse right now he moves a gun. Yeah. The guy flips the commits, body over. Commi- he climbs in a window to get to it because the door's locked. So that looks like breaking and entering right there. Yeah. I mean, how but do he we know? There too, didn't he? How we how do we know he didn't even kill the guy? We don't. It's his story against nobody else's story. Yeah, it's true. He could have made it look like suicide. Anyway, chaos. I mean, it does talk about how they fought all the time. <laughs> So anyway, Necro Butcher later speculated that taking the photographs and forcing others to see them was a way for Euronymous to cope with the shock of seeing his friend friend dead. He claimed that Euronymous went into a fantasy world. Faust of Emperor believes that dead suicide marked the point at which, under Euronymous's direction, the black metal scene began its obsession with all things satanic. Okay? So here's, here's the interesting thing about that. Um... I grew up listening to a lot of really crazy music outside of Metallica and Megadeth, Slayer. I mean, Slayer is pretty heavy, but like I listened to some of those bands you actually saw in, in on their walls, you know, like Venom, uh, Possessed, Scorpion. Napalm Death, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Scorpions. You poser. <laughs> so I, li- I listened to some of those bands, but I never took that scene as being reality-based. You know, I I wasn't satanic or anything. So you're a big Cinderella fan, though. I don't know your shirt do, would suggest otherwise. I'm about Cinderella. To as well. <laughs> I do love Cinderella, but you know, my point is, most of the people that were into that kind of stuff really weren't into that kind of stuff. It it didn't go hardcore. And from what it's showing here and in the movie, it seemed like it started off that way with these guys, but then this event kind of. Sw- Flipped a switch a little bit, so just can't help but thinking about when I was young. Music was you dressed like a woman and sang about the devil. <laughs> Turn it down. That is a mirror, <laughs> Bill Burr joke. <laughs> we were we two different Bill Burr jokes. <laughs> Sorry, 
Necro Butcher ended his friendship with Euronymous. Thus, after the suicide mayhem was left with two members, guitarist Euronymous and drummer Hellhammer. So in the in the movie it depicted that as he got pissed because of the the uh, skull, but it doesn't really say that in here. Everything everything that I've read about it, they just disagreed on the musical direction they were going all the time. <laughs> was Hellhammer the first drummer or was he the second one after the first one left? He was the first drummer. Okay. So then Stein Occultus Johansson. That's about the only name I can probably pr- pronounce. Johansson. His name is Occultist. Uh, occult, occultist is his nickname. Oh, okay. He was recruited. You're when I when I say their middle names, that's their oh, nickname. Okay. Hellhammer is not his middle name. Hey man, Norway. I don't know. Anyway, he was recruited as Mayhem's <laughs> new singer and Hellhammer. bassist. However, this was short-lived. He left the band after receiving a death threat from Euronymous. So Euronymous was constantly going around like causing havoc in his own band. He was kind of his own, his own. Uh, the douche. Yeah, he was a jerk. <laughs> so during May He's through June of '91, Euronymous opened a record shop named Helvete, Norwegian for Hell. Now I might have pronounced that wrong. Our one Norway fan, you could correct me on that. Please give it's us actually, a shout out. It's actually Helvetica. Oh, okay. Wow. You got the little tongue roll and everything. I don't see, that's just a font. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I was like, it doesn't pronounce okay. that in that font. It sounded really good. Okay. Uh, it was in Oslo. Norwegian black metal musicians often met in the shop's basement, including the two members of Mayhem, the members of Emperor, Varg, Count Grishnak, Victorns of Bur- Burzum, and Schnorr Blackthorn Roosh Schnorr. of Thorns. Schnorr. Schnorr. Euronymous also started an independent record label called Death Like Silence Productions, which was based at Helvete. It released albums by Norwegian bands Mayhem and Burzum and Swedish metal bands Merciless and Abruptum. Euronymous, Varg, and Emperor guitarist Thomas... Samoth Hagen, Haugen. Sammy Hagar? Is, that, <laughs> yeah. is that where he originated? You're talking about the Red Rocker? All lived at Helvete at various times. Emperor drummer Faust also lived and worked there. The shop's walls were painted black and bedeckled. Bedecked. I said bedeckled. Like bedazzled? Bedazzled. <laughs> with medieval weapons, posters of bands, and picture discs, while its window featured a polystyrene tombstone. Don't know what that is. I have to look that up. Anyway, moving on. We're going now to the actual crimes they committed. So once he met this guy, which ironically was named Christian, start with a K instead of a CH, mm. Christian, who changed his name. Uh, Call me Varg. To Varg. Uh, it kind of showed him in the movie as being this guy that was a little bit of a poser. They listened to all kinds of just regular metal, and then they kind of made fun of him a little bit, and he started getting more and more hardcore as it went along. In reality, he was kind of already hardcore. You know, he wasn't like... It makes a little more sense, I mean... Yeah. Than what we saw. I mean, I don't think he... Uh, I don't think he was like... He probably wasn't listening to Poison and stuff like that, you know? He was yeah. definitely listening to more of the metal scene. In the movie, he definitely just kind of seemed like more of a fan at first. He did. That aspired to be like them, and then he just kind of 
went too far with it. Now he was the one that came in and they were like, uh, he was like a real poser. Or yeah, if yeah, you're not a poser, then you'll find the hidden albums or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And he made fun of him. If you notice, he made fun of his patch in yeah, that one scene when jacket. he was in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah the scorpion patch. Took it off and ripped it off. So, uh, and Varg was born. So it says, Euronymous uh, helped many younger bands in the scene, especially Emperor and Enslaved, both of whom he recommended to Candlelight Records. It's kind of amazing, though. Like, I will say this for the guy. He was young, and he was doing all this stuff, even though his parents had money to help him do it. He was young, and he actually had a goal in mind. It seems like he was starting his own record label. He was getting other bands on record labels and stuff like that. He had his own band. And, you know, at a music store. So he really, at a young age, had a lot of stuff kind of going on for a while. Um, but He was still mad at the world for some reason. Yeah. Which, once again, was it was it shtick? Was it an act to get famous? That was kind of what was always running through my head when I was watching this movie. Yeah. Which we'll talk about more, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So he helped these younger bands, and it said... Uh, Euronymous took Vikerns, who was five years younger than him, under his wing, inviting him to play bass with Mayhem and offering to release his music as Bur- as Burzum. However, it had been claimed that their friendship turned into rivalry. Looking back, Faust said, It sounds really silly, but I think there was a little bit of contest between them to see who could be more evil. Now, that definitely played out in the movie. Yeah, it did. And to me, it's... It, this goes back to like mob mentality, you know. People could be the most normal, sane people until they start getting challenged, or you know, whipped up into a frenzy with groups of people. And I feel like they, every scene it showed them challenge each other, it was like in front of other groups of people that were hangers on and followers, you know. And it was kind of like you know we. I did this and look at this. And he was like, yeah. And I told him to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it, it, you definitely see the rivalry in the thing, you know, that, that kind of rivalry in the movie. But I don't know for sure if the movie was more or less saying, you know, the, the one guy wasn't evil, but then he became, you know, just trying, trying to get all this evil stuff going. And the other one wasn't evil. And he was just looking for popularity and a gimmick. And it just spun out of control, which kind of seems like that's what the real story did. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they both got in over their heads eventually and it spun out of control. Right? Now, what was the lead uh, guy's name again that started it all? Euronymous. Yeah, Euronymous. He almost seemed like the poser himself, like uh, when, yeah, what's his, Varg or whatever? Varg. Varg, yeah, he invites him to come. Hey, call down. him Varg, bro. <laughs> He invites him to come burn down the first church with him, but it almost seems like Euronymous or whatever is not really all that into it like he acts like he was going to be. Yeah. But then parts, a couple but then he scenes, does it, he's though, in it. He's kind yeah. of, I was very, yeah, I was very confused by him. He almost gets too much into it. So anyway, here we go. Uh, it created a difficult situation, especially for Euronymous, who wanted the glamour and the showbiz but with him, there was a lot of smoke, but not much fire. And this is an exact quote from one of the guys around it, the Faust guy. On June 6, 1992, the Fantanoff Stave Church in Bergen was destroyed by arson. McKerns was strongly 
suspected as the culprit, but never convicted. There followed a wave of church burnings across Norway, perpetrated by musicians and fans of the Norwegian black metal scene. Now, the movie does not say that. The movie shows them doing it all, right? All the research that I've seen before says that it was a rash of burnings caused by, it was almost like copycat burnings. All these kids started doing it, and they were like, oh, man, that's cool. Let's do it. And I mean, they're you're talking they were burning thousand-year-old churches mm-hmm. to the ground. That's a shame. I mean, it's crazy. Even if you're, like, atheist or satanic, one or the other, I mean, you would think they'd be like, hey, you know. Have some sort of respect. Some sort of respect for that. But they're they're after the fame, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old all those churches were, but I thought it was weird that he was able to just break open all the doors so easily. Like, I'm pretty sure one of them, he just broke open with a knife. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how good their locks would be on thousand-year-old churches, but. Yeah. I mean, some of the churches looked rather newish, I guess, for the time. And then there, some of them looked pretty gothic, I guess. That one little white church looked like a little house in a prairie church. I was like, aw. That one all like all black looking church was really creepy looking. Yeah. Some of them, that first one had all the crosses all over it. Yeah. Which from a production standpoint, talking about the movie, like I'm assuming they built all these buildings just to burn them down. Like that's like oh, a pretty yeah. like oh, yeah. Well, I mean, those real churches are already gone. They burned them. I mean, obviously, they didn't burn down real churches. I was just impressed that they actually did, like... We don't have time to build one. We're just going to burn down that church yeah. over there. No, I just was impressed that they like, did all that like just that. to make it look real in the movie. So, Euronymous was present at the burning of the Holman Colon, Holman Colon Chapel, um... Together with Vikerns and Faust, who were convicted for arson after Euronymous was dead. Faust says he believes that Euronymous got involved because he felt he had to prove that he could be a part of it and not just in the background. To co- coincide with the release of Mayhem's De Mysterious Dome Sathanus, Vikerns and Euronymous had allegedly plotted to bomb Nadaro's Cathedral, which appears on the album cover. Euronymous' death in August 1993 put an end to this plan and stalled the album's release. So they were actually the one that they were going to bomb in the movie. They were going to, they planned to bomb it, and they were also going to use that actual church, picture of that church, on their album cover after they bombed it. That's pretty ballsy. Yeah, it is. I would think, you know, they'd be like, ah, suspect number one right there. (laughs) Yeah. But the Norwegian Keystone cops really didn't give a shit anyway because they couldn't figure out any of this stuff. Well, it's also ballsy because I was like, I'm pretty sure none of these guys are bomb experts and I feel like they're about to die. Yeah. And that one scene <laughs> where the bomb didn't go off right away and they yeah. were again after it, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. Yep. Well, another thing, too, that I thought while I was watching this, after the third or fourth church burning, you would think they would start putting armed guards around That's all those I I thought that churches. You would think all these churches <laughs> yeah. would be like on super lockdown. Like. But in reality, Norway did not do that. They just let all their churches burn down. Like, there was a lot of either. stuff in this movie that kind of made me think, but then I was like, but maybe Norway. Like, it is. It's like Norway, Norway is like the Canada of Europe. You know, it's like, oh, uh, hey, was, neighbor, don't point that gun at me. Eh? You know, there was the one church eventually where those guards showed up, but they were apparently not. Like even the, uh, and this is not entirely related, but like even the scene at the end where he's trying to get out of his own room, and he has to have like keys to get out. I 
thought that was really weird. I was like, is that a thing in Norway where people use keys to lock their door from the inside? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a terrible thing. And then the door opens well, the, door old, the outside. The old type of doors did that. To lock a door, you didn't have like a button or anything you'd push. You would take a key and you would lock it, and that skeleton key would stay in the door. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, they so, still to this day have double-sided deadbolts, which I don't know why we use them still. Yeah. Some I, people do. Like the old buildings downtown are like that still, too. His keys look like a regular set of keys, though, and oh boy, Berg or Varg, whatever, was just like, oh, you looking for keys? <laughs> just like that, too. That yeah. I love how Ian's changed his name like five times. Verg, Varg, Vern. <laughs> Berg. I'm probably going to want to be Vern. I'm going to butcher his name My all the way to the end. My favorite part was when Nor Vernon said that. Uh... <laughs> Verg, Vern, Virgil. So in a you know 1993 interview on a Swedish radio show, Euronymous said of the church burnings, they, talking about the Christians, must feel that there is a dark evil power present that they have to fight which will make them more extreme. We also believe that when a church burns, it's not only Christians who suffer, but people in general. Imagine a beautiful old staved church. What happens when it burns? The Christians feel despair. God's house is destroyed, and ordinary people will suffer from grief because something beautiful was destroyed. So you end up spreading grief and despair, which is a good thing. That's what he wanted to do. He he really did. But once again, it was like, how much is he buying into this shit and how much is he doing it for fame and notoriety? You know, I can't can't tell the difference. See, if it was a good thing for them, though, shouldn't it have actually been bad for them? Whoa. You're sorry. (laughs) I just blew your mind. You just went so deep. (laughs) You just just deaded me. Hey, that's what I did. You blew my mind. Damn right. All right. In January, in an article in one of Norway's biggest newspapers, Bergen's Tidend brought the black metal scene into the media spotlight. So at this time in 93, they were starting to hear more about this, you know, across the country. Uh, Varg Vikerns gave an anonymous interview to a journalist, and this is what we see in the movie, an anonymous interview to a journalist from the newspaper in which he claimed to have burnt the churches and killed a man in Lilyhammer. According to Vikerns, the anonymous interview was planned by himself and Euronymous. The goal, he says, was to scare people, promote black metal, and get more customers to Helvete. He added that the interview revealed nothing that could prove his involvement in any crime. However, by the time the article was printed, Vikerns had already been arrested. Some of the other scene members were also arrested and questioned, but all were released for lack of evidence. So, we've got stupid-ass criminals... And we got stupid ass cops chasing them. So, so Euronymous was a part of it in real life because in the movie the way he was it, not. Yeah, the way now this was a claim from Varg, so oh. we don't know for sure because Euronymous doesn't say anything about it. But anyway, Vikernes uh, himself was released in March 1993 for lack of evidence. That month, Kerrang published an article about the Norwegian black metal scene. I did anybody ever read Kerrang? Were you in? So I read like Hit Parader and Metal's Edge, but Kerrang was like a European magazine you could get every great now and then. I would I would read it every great now and then because it was from like Germany or something. I've read some articles from it. It's funny because like I didn't really read a lot, but they uh, back in the nineties. You didn't know how to read? No, I just learned recently. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, Wait. I couldn't even do Braille. 
<laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, uh, the late '80s, early '90s had uh, MTV's Headbangers Ball. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, okay. that was like the extent of like my Kerrang. That was my live action gotcha. magazine. Gotcha. That explains your mental health. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I keep banging my head on everything. He was a big fan of the uh, Thrashers tag team as well. That's right. So in that article, Euronymous and Verg. Now you're doing it. Varg. Vern. Varg. Vern. Call me Varg. Euronymous and Varg the Kearns present themselves as leaders of a militant cult-like group of satanic terrorists, is what they said. Euronymous claimed that Helvete helps fund its activities, but said that he is not directly involved in its crimes because if he were caught, the organization would fall apart. So they're basically putting it out there. We fund them, but we're not directly involved. So we can't. Here in America, they'd immediately come arrest you. They'd be like, you fucking idiot. You just said you're funding a terrorist organization. You're, yeah. you're going down. But apparently not in Norway. It's a conspiracy, brother. After the uh, episode, Euronymous decided to shut Helvete as it began to draw the attention of the police and media. Vikerns and the authors of Lords of Chaos claims that Euronymous' parents pressured him, in, pressured him into shutting this. Okay, so it it makes it look like they shut him down in the movie, but in reality, he shut it down himself because of all the heat they were getting. But they were only getting the heat. Because they were talking to the media, right? Right. So in reality, they were just being stupid talking to the media, and I think it was more they thought. You I mean, know, that came across in the movie too. Yeah. Their stupidity. But it, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is like he shut it down himself, as opposed to like the cops or somebody right. shutting it down. Um, so now we're on to 1993, early 93, and animosity rose between Euronymous and. Vikerns, as well as between Euronymous and some members of the Swedish black metal scene. So there was other people outside of this that kind of started getting pissed at For some him, reason, apparently. I thought you were going to say Swedish black mafia. Is that a thing? Isn't that like a... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that like a rap group or something, maybe? Maybe I'm thinking the Swedish black mafia. Swisher House Mafia is what I'm thinking. Oh my gosh! I don't listen to him, but I know the name. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like Swisher, like the Swisher Sweets cigars. Yeah. The Swedish. I want to hear the Swedish black mafia. I do too. It's like the Swedish chef from Muppets. Hurdy gurdy. Hurdy gurdy. Okay. Woo! On the night of August 10th, 1993. Vakern stabbed Euronymous to death in his apartment in Oslo. The murder was initially blamed on Swedish black metalers by the media. It was been had been speculated the murder was the result of a power struggle. You a keep financial... saying Swedish, but is it Norwegian or are we no. in Swedish now? Like the okay. Swe- Remember, he said Norwegian black metal was different than Swedish death metal. Okay. So, in he was talking shit about them, saying that they weren't true. Right. So there was. There was apparently animosity between the two groups, right? Okay. So the Swedish people were like pissed that they were like saying they were posers, basically. Is what okay. It was. I got you. So, um, where was I? The murder was initially blamed on the Swedish black metalers by the media. It had been speculated the murder was a result of a power struggle, a financial dispute over Burzum Records which he owed Vikerns a large sum of money of royalty payments or an attempt at an outdoing the stabbing in Lillehammer. 
but Kearns claims that he killed Euronymous in self-defense. He says that Euronymous had plotted to stun him with an electroshock weapon, tie him up, and torture him to death while videotaping the event. But Kearns explains, if he was talking about it to everybody and anybody, I wouldn't have taken it seriously. But he told a select group of friends, and one of them came and told me. So he believed that it was real, that he was going to hurt him, so he went there to confront him about it and hurt him first. Uh, he said Iran was planned on using a meeting about an unsigned contract to ambush him. On the night of the murder, Vikerns and Snore Blackthorn Roosh drove to Bergen to Euronymous' apartment in Oslo. Blackthorn stood outside smoking while Vikerns climbed the stairs to Euronymous' apartment on the fourth floor. Vikerns said he met Euronymous at the door to hand him the signed contract, but when he stepped forward and confronted Euronymous, Euronymous panicked and kicked him in the chest. Vikerns claims Euronymous ran into the kitchen to fetch a knife. The two got into a struggle and Vikerns stabbed Euronymous to death. His body was found in the stairwell on the first floor with 23 stab wounds. Two to the head, five to the neck, and 16 to the back. Now, that's a lot of stabbing. I don't know about you. Self-defense, I don't know what I would do in self-defense. But I do know this. I would not probably stab a guy all over his body 23 times in self-defense, quote-unquote. I would stab him a few times, make sure they're dead. But 23 is overkill. Honestly, the first stab to the gut was probably enough. Probably. It might take him a while to die, but that was probably enough. But this plays out way different than the movie, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh But anyway... Vikerns contends that the most of Euronymous's wounds were caused by broken glass he had fallen on during the struggle. So he's trying to blame the glass. And that glass showed in the movie that it cut up his feet, but he was trying to blame him from when they were struggling and rolling around. Those were stabbing him in the back and the sides as opposed to a knife. The glass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they disproved in, in court. Right. Anyway, uh. After the murder, Vikerns and Blackthorn drove back to Bergen. On the way, they stopped at a lake where Vikerns disposed of his bloodstained clothes. This claim of self-defense is doubted by Faust, while Necro Butcher believes Vikerns killed Euronymous due to the death threats he received from him. Necro Butcher also intended to murder Euronymous himself due to him tastelessly capitalizing on dead suicide. Blackthorn claims Vikerns planned to murder Euronymous and pressured him into coming along. He claims that in the summer of 1993, he was almost committed to a mental hospital, but fled to Bergen and stayed with Vikerns. Blackthorn said of the murder, I was neither for nor against it. I didn't give a shit about Oystein. Vikerns, however, claims that he had not planned the killing, and Blackthorn came along to show Euronymous some new guitar riffs. Wow. Here's the aftermath, though. McCarns was arrested August 19th, 1993. So you're talking to August 19th. So you're talking nine days later. So it took over a week for him to get him. Many other members of the scene, including Blackthorn and Faust, were taken in for questioning. The trial began May 2nd, 1994. So that's less than a year later. It's a little swifter than it is here in America. 
But at the mm-hmm. trial, it was claimed that McKerns, Blackthorne, and another friend had planned the murder. The third person stayed at the apartment in Bergen as an alibi to make it look like they never left Bergen. He was also to rent films, played them in the apartment, and withdraw money from McKerns' credit card. On May 16, 1994, McKerns was sentenced to get this. Now, they convicted him, found him guilty. All the, all the evidence pointed towards him with the knife and everything. All the people that was involved in it. it sounds like there was at least three involved in this murder in the planning of the murder right yeah. here's what ends up happening when they convict him they convict him on may 16th 1994 vacarns was sentenced to 21 years in prison norway's maximum penalty for murder that's the max their maximum penalty for mm-hmm. murder Hopefully things have changed since then. Huh. No. (laughs) What? Really? No. That's crazy. For the murder of Euronymous, the arson of three churches, the attempted arson of a fourth church, and for the theft and storage of 150 kilograms of explosives. However, he only confessed to the latter. Two churches were burnt the day he was sentenced, presumably as a statement of symbolic support from fans. You go black metal guys. We love you, Varg. <laughs> this is for you. You guys are the coolest band in the world. Blackthorn was sentenced to eight years in prison for being an accomplice. Fakerns was released from prison on parole in 2009. Hmm. So, so from 94 what, four to... 94 to 2009 is what he spent in jail. Wow. At Euronymous' funeral, Hellhammer, Mayhem's drummer and necrobutcher, Mayhem's former bassist, decided to continue with the band and worked on releasing the Mysterious Dome Satanis album. Before the release, Euronymous' family asked Hellhammer to remove his bass tracks recorded by Verkerns. Hellhammer said, I thought it was appropriate for the murderer and the victim we're on the same record. I put out word out that I was recording the bass parts, but I never did. So he left left Varg's bass lines on there. That's the cool. album, which has Euronymous on electric guitar and Recurrence on bass guitar, was finally released in May of 1994. Part of the Norwegian scene considered Recurrence a traitor for murdering Euronymous and turning his back on Satanism in favor of nationalism and Odinism. Although Recurrence claims he never he was never a Satanist and had only used Satan to provoke people. They saw Euronymous' death as a significant loss to the scene, and some black metalers have sworn to avenge Arthas' death. Arthas. <laughs> That's ludicrous. Ludicrous. Well, okay, so so basically the ending is, you know, they, they release these albums. The band is still out there. Mayhem is still a band. Uh, they've toured multiple times. They've released multiple albums since this. And the black Norwegian black metal scene is still running fairly strong. It's not as big as it was in the late 90s. Black metal, is that just something that only really is kind of popular in Norway? Or is there like black metal in America? There are black metal bands sure there probably here in America. Are, but... And there's, there's like... But like more, a lot of the European rock theatrical. got popular, and I just feel like I don't know if black metal. Ever black metal is more theatrical, probably here in America, than it is over there. Um, but those bands right there, like some of the true black Norwegian metal bands, 
they don't tour as much as <laughs> black band black metal bands here. So yeah, Well they mentioned that in the movie touring is uh for posers. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's too commercial or whatever. I'm surprised they got as much pussy as they did <laughs> in oh, that Varg. movie. Because really, I'm telling you what, like he got a lot of Varg. Most of those metal dudes <laughs> don't get that kind of action. I know when I was in a Norwegian black metal band, we didn't we didn't do too well either. So Did those girls really have much else to look forward to over there as far as like being groupies. They yeah. don't have fucking groupies. Remember Ian. <laughs> Or he said they didn't want groupies. Or maybe that's what he said. Well, I can from everything I've researched though, let's just get down to brass tacks. I think I think one guy was into like trying to trying to sell himself as more than what he was, and another guy got okay. way over into it and then it spiraled out of control and they were like wrestling for the power of that group or that band to show who was who was kind of in charge, who was cooler or whatever, you know. So I think it was it was a money issue. It was definitely a money issue. That's the reason he killed him. Yeah. And they tried to play it off as like this big satanic thing to even like like advertise it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean it was all about like image. So that made me wonder like in reality, these black metal fans and musicians like i wonder how many of them are closer to like the varg side of things or how many of them are actually closer to the euronymous side of things or if they're just kind of right in the middle you know what i mean because like euronymous was definitely all about the image and about selling himself yeah or at least that's how the movie made it out to be and varg takes it way too seriously to the point where when he wasn't serious at first he was losing the scorpions yeah. He was a fan, and then he thought that's what Euronymous and this crew was all about, and he gets really deep into it. Come to find out, at least with Euronymous, it really wasn't what he was about. I mean, it kind of was to a degree, but he was trying to sell records. Yeah. And he make money. He just talks. He He's, just talks. He was a poser. He really, I mean, not. He actually said in multiple interviews he was a theistic Satan, Satan worshiper. So he was, he was using Satan as his god. And. The other guy was more about like the backstory of Norway and Odin and all that stuff, and yeah. so he wasn't about Satan at all because he didn't believe in Christianity. So it was it was the you know two diametrically different philosophies between the two. I need more stuff around me so I could just hit it all. <laughs> but like even the uh, Rory Culkin character was just kind of like like I don't know it was kind of weird getting a read on him because. Early in the movie, you you thought he was really into all this kind of stuff, and then like, but then when they started burning churches, he was like into it at first. Like he went to the first church burning, and then as it went on, he kind of got a little uneasy about it. And I don't know. I know this is probably just a movie dramatizing events or whatever. But like, he got in the relationship with the girl. He cut his hair. It looked like he was kind of maybe growing out of it, maybe or something. And. I don't know where I was going with that point, but with the very beginning too, like, the very beginning too, it showed him with his family, and he was wearing sweaters, even though he had long hair. Then he dyed it black later, but like, mm. but like they him revealed and his little sister and all everything was yeah, really and all these revelations came out like about how the the his friend's suicide actually had a pretty big effect on him. Yeah, and how it actually showed when he found him, he still I guess took the pictures, which was fucking weird, but like he actually. You wouldn't was take more a picture shocked. of me if I 
But I mean, mm-hmm. like when the when you first see the scene, he's so like unfazed by it. It's really unsettling because he just like looks at him, kind of tinkers around with the scene a little bit, goes gets no, the camera. No, that's not how it happened. <laughs> it didn't. Later, later. <laughs> I, I thought that he saw him, and then he walked downstairs for a minute and was, like, collecting his thoughts. He and did. He, he almost cried. Yeah. Like, his eyes watered. But he, he did cry downstairs. later on is the point I was trying and to then make. He they goes, revealed yeah. that. But then they also revealed that that wasn't really his skull that he took, that it was just a chicken bone, and that he really isn't. So, I don't know. So, I he just, was the ultimate poser. I mean, that's kind of what the movie made it out like. I'm not saying that's what it was really like, but, like. That still blows my mind. We, we're we not going to put it on the website any of our social medias but you can go on there and look up their live album with the guy actually where he committed suicide that that's a real picture of a real guy that committed suicide and that's crazy that that that's a member of the band and they put it on their album that that blows my mind but yeah i I don't know i mean that i thought the movie was cool though you gotta admit it was a it was an interesting movie it It was interesting it's not something i would want to watch again this or multiple we're times. Our thoughts on the movie. Yeah, let's talk about the movie now. I mean, the story's over. The guy got 21 years for killing. Then talk about friend. the movie for a few minutes. No, I mean like our. Oh, your, I don't want to say thoughts. rating, but yeah, like how we felt about the movie. Yeah, over. we'll start with the Torrance. Um, <laughs> I'd probably give it at least like a six. How do you feel about the 20 minutes you watched? Uh, probably a six and a half on the first 20 minutes. Well, that's a strong for 20 minutes. I was being generous. It's probably like a five. <laughs> It was a it was a weird movie. I don't know. It was unsettling. Yeah. Kind of funny in weird parts, like not like yeah, you know, not like a comedy, but it was a black comedy. <laughs> eh, black metal. Ooh. It was like you know, you it's, like it's crazy sport? though that it was really kind of a true story though. That's what freaked me out is how graphic the violence was in it. Yeah. But well, they made to your it account, seem it was pretty close too. Yeah, to the story. But they made it seem very every day and that's what's scary about that kind of thing these people have any you were talking about wonder if black metal kids really like that well, i hope not but you know there's some of them probably out there that are really taking that shit serious that's kind of what was on my mind too when i was watching it. i was like man i don't i don't like death metal or speed metal or black metal or any of those metals but like there are people that really do and that are really committed to it and really into all this dark crap and i just kept thinking like i can't really people out there that are this far gone is there like like to the point where you know burning churches and stabbing random people yeah, and just no, all that kind of stuff is not we don't want people to be happy we want people to listen to our albums well i mean obviously there yeah. are because it was out there yeah and you right, know there's know. people out there that are like that yeah I mean, here's an example. Slayer put out an album one time, and on the inside of the album, uh, it wasn't the album, the CD. On the inside of the CD, the CD art was a guy, and it was a real picture of a Slayer fan that had carved Slayer into both arms, and it was just bleeding down his arms. And that's the album cover. See, like, they took a picture. I'm pretty sure I've seen that before. And just says Slayer down their arms. I mean, I th- that's insane. I think theatrics in rock is fun. And I can Alice listen Cooper, to like, I, yeah, I can listen to like devil rock and that kind of mystical yeah. stuff we were talking about earlier. I think that's all fun. I'm not a devil worshiper, but I mean, I can get into the theatrics of it and enjoy it. Well, why does but it to, say six 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 in your <laughs> ear over there, Trent? It's all part of it. It's just it's part of it. Part. But like the people that actually take it seriously is just freaky. Freaks me out. Self harm, all that stuff freaks me out, and I felt so. I really feel sorry for that dead uh, 
That whole scene was. That guy so. is, is. He had a mental. He had a mental disability, I think, that nobody had diagnosed yet, Definitely. along with depression. Oh, he had, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> it's sad that like he got to wherever he was from in Sweden, they didn't see it, and then he comes out to this dude in Norway, and it was just free reign to be letting your freak flag fly. Did you, uh, did you mention it? I don't know if you did or not. Did he actually slit his throat? Uh, it does not say that in anything I read. That was, but it does say he slit his yeah, arms. Well, even the arm slit was enough to make me very uncomfortable because so there's always something about cutting too. arms that have always freaked me out, like wrist cutting or whatever. It always makes me uneasy. Yeah. But him seeing him just go like full on down his arm with that huge knife, it's like, oh god. Yeah. So, and then it's just like he just like sat there in silence too, which made it freaky. And he just kept like looking at it, scream and did anything. it, did it again, and then just kept. It's like, oh my god. And just to have enough, like, as soon as he slid his wrist like that, I was like, like shoot yourself in the head. And then he was like still moving around and sitting And then wrote that note. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. And he actually wrote more of that note. I wish I could find, you know, my. Even the note was just really kind of unsettling and creepy. It was like, let's, what did it say? Like, let's get the party started or something. That's nuts. So I'm glad I watched this movie for research purposes, but I will probably never watch it again in my life by choice. But I did think it had some of the most, uh, to me, it was the most realistic, like, kill scenes I've seen in a movie. Just The stabbings were all Yeah, like a uh, dead suicide scene. And then uh, we didn't talk about the, the homosexual man that got stabbed in the woods. Like, Yeah. That's where it really hit for me. I was like, God, this is brutal. Because he was, like, actually, like, trying to fight back. And with each stab, he was, like, making these little noises and stuff. And I was like, uh, it's kind of yeah. fucking graphic, Even man. poor uh, Euronymous, his yeah, little death scene where he just, like, like... Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> Long and brutal. And he stabs like him in the head at the Get very the end and he's tries to get his knife out of him. Yeah, at like, that point, gosh. I thought he was going to do a little mercy kill and just, like, go behind him and slit his throat or something. No. He's like, no, nah, I'm just going to stab you in the back some more and then stab you right in the skull. But that was supposed to be self-defense, so... Yeah. We need to go back and watch that scene and see if they actually got the amount of stabs right that you said in the story. Yeah. You said, like, 23. It was a lot. I feel like it, I felt like it was way more than that. It movie. did feel like more, but that's that's a lot, though. Hmm. Overkill much? <laughs> now, a little aside to the movie, since we gave it an aside to the uh, him only getting 21 years for killing someone... Um, after the movie, when they were doing research for the movie, and after the movie was released or about ready to be released, a lot of black metal fans were really pissed off. <coughs> Excuse me. Because they thought it was kind of shedding them in a bad light and, <laughs> and making. Yeah, the movie did that. Uh, yeah, That's the movie's shedding fault. them in a bad light and then making uh, the kind of uh, the memory of. Euronymous and then making Vargan to this like kind of wimpy character that I don't know the, the way they explain it like some of the some of the fans were just mad about the portrayals of Euronymous and his memory of him the memory of him and then the way Varg was portrayed like he was a traitor and a pussy and all this stuff and it was like to me it's like these people are still taking it this serious like it's still this serious. Something and, tells me they don't have much logical thinking skills yeah. for these type of people. Because I mean, it it's talking about it in in the it says the production wouldn't go smoothly despite getting a new director, so they had to get a new director. Vakerns, who has since been released from prison, 
was vehemently opposed to Lords of Chaos movie and would not approve the use of his music for the film. So he wouldn't even give him the music that he wrote to use in the film as he disapproved of how he's portrayed as power mad. Hmm. He he still maintains that he is mostly innocent and it was self-defense. Meanwhile, members and former members of the Mayhem decried both the film's content and how it was made and even worked to prevent the film from ever being released. They contacted everybody behind our backs, our crew members, all kinds of people associated with us in a very sneaky way, says former Mayhem member Necro Butcher, who had left the band due to their erroneous serving behaviors. It's the wrong approach. You make a movie of a band, the first people I would contact would be people that were in the band and ask for their permission to use their stuff. Don't come afterwards because we won't authorize it. So some of them were still pissed. And maybe they weren't getting money or something. I mean, it doesn't say they're... But it's kind of like they didn't want to be betrayed this way. Yeah. I don't know. It's a It's a messed up film. Yeah, it is. Go check it out. <laughs> you pretty it's, much know what happens now. But. It's no Home Alone. Uh, nope. Not even a little bit. Those Culkin boys, man. I feel like fucking Ian's going to say something, but then he backs off every single time. He's like weakening at Bernie's over there. He's just bobbing around. Although if we ever got a rated R version of Home Alone, it would probably be equally as violent as this movie. Oh, they, I'm trying to get Harry and Marv would be dead right 20 now. minutes into yeah, the movie. They, <laughs> they would not survive that movie. All right, well, good story there, Meaner. Thanks. I don't know about a good story, but it's a story. Interesting. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a week's break, and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of The Horror You Know. <laughs> this turned into a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> Is there something you want to plug there, Means, before you end this? Uh, Ian's whole... Um, That'll wake me up. Uh, our merchandise. <laughs> In honor of this week's episode, we will be selling dead rabbits and little crosses <laughs> with mouse mice on them. Well, you have pieces and of this, skull necklaces. A skull necklace, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we should do. We should have themed merch each week. For right along with our Ed Gein nipple belt. Oh, that's going <laughs> to be a top seller one. right yeah, there. Yeah, we're sold out of that. Ian yeah. has Ian has no more nipples left. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've shed my last nipple. Yeah. Well, it's all fun and games until someone loses a soul. So I feel like I've lost mine tonight. We've done multiple podcasts, and I'm pretty sure Ian's over there sitting in a pudge of his own sludge. That's one way to word it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna take off all this on all socials and check out our merchandise store, which Trent's gonna put on every tweet he ever puts out from now on. We love you. Telling you, this merchandise store has scarings. Scarings? <laughs> what? Say scarings? Like what I meant scary to say. Scarings? Okay, people, it's almost 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm a little tired, too. What yeah. I meant to say is this Can merchandise store has savings so scary. I'm done. Just stop. <laughs> Just end it. Oh, I've been in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm Trent. <laughs> I'm Darren. Stay spooky. <laughs> what We'll cut that out. We'll like cut that out, buddy. Like Save you some face. In the dead of night, when the moon is high, in the shadows dance, the evil will rise.